and welcome to Pastors at Home, a chat with your pastors about living for Jesus. One take, unfiltered, lo-fi, and today I'm joined by Jeff Hunt. Hello. And Erin May Wicks. Hello, hello. No surprises there. Uh, no surprise guests today, but we are talking today about the book of Titus. Now, whose idea was this? This is my idea. This is... Um Part one of a 66-part series. <laughs> Jeff loves his series. He's like, what good series could I get going? We've started about five series. We've only done about one or two in each. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you only do one of a type, is it a series? <laughs> but I thought uh, I really like kind of thinking about the overview of a book. Uh, I find that really interesting and a really helpful way to, to read a book of the Bible thoughtfully if you kind of know the parameters of it, the the boundaries, what it's on about, where it's coming from, like what's the situation, um, what are the kind of issues it addresses, or even just like how you use it, mm-hmm. like in what situations is it good to read this and what are the kind of key theological points that you find in this book, what's its contribution to the canon, so to speak. Um, <laughs> Ooh, getting technical. I know, there we go. So... Uh, and, you know, just we are, we've been talking about the Bible in a kind of pastoral way, like wanting people to, to read it for themselves and make the most of it. And I feel like this is one of the ways that you make the most of the Bible um, by understanding the broad shape of whole books. So we could start doing that. Okay. And maybe we'll just do it for Titus. Um, <laughs> I reckon you you can at least get six out of it. You know, three yeah, in the New Testament, three in the Old. Like three. We can do Jude. <laughs> a, one, a one chapter, one book. It's like. Well, I actually think it's like most helpful with the those enormous ones. Yeah. Like, oh, how will I swallow this? But yeah. if you break yeah. it down, it's a little bit easier. Hmm. So, but I guess this is fits into we've talked about Bible reading before that we usually start with context, mm-hmm. which is kind of when we're reading a part of the Bible, we're thinking about how does it fit in. So understanding the whole book helps us to understand all the bits and how they fit together. Yeah, great point. Into the big picture. Yeah, because when you think context, I often think like the very biggest picture context, like where does it sit within the whole Bible? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Daunting. Titus. Yeah. Say, but no, like very, very simple. It's after Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. That's, that's the kind of level I'm talking and not thinking like. It's in the New Testament yep. and it's after Jesus has, you know, after the gospel. So yep. after Jesus has died and risen again. Mm-hmm. Cool. We can all kick some goals in this system. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously it's a. It's a letter written to a church, mm-hmm. so that's helpful. So, Ooh, is it written to of... a church or is it written oh, to a person, there you Jeff? Go. Ooh. Mm. We'll dig in. Good to sort out <laughs> some basic errors before you begin, isn't it? <laughs> but it's in, um, yeah, in that era of the church's expansion. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's the kind of like part of the Bible that it kind of sits within. I reckon this is really – I'm excited about this 66-book series um, because I think it can seem a bit overwhelming, you know, to figure out uh, different parts of the Bible and everything can just seem a bit too confusing. But asking just simple questions like you just did, like is it in the New Testament or the Old Testament? So is it before Jesus has come or after? Mm -hmm. And is it, um, you know – once you've kind of broken that down, you've already gone, okay, well, I know a lot about this already. Mm. And then suddenly 
there there is something amazing. The more you kind of get to know the Bible, the more you go, oh, Titus, oh, yeah, they do talk a lot about, you know, doing good in Titus. I do remember that. Mm. And at first it kind of almost seems like unachievable to get to know every book of the Bible. But as you start to get to know them, you get to know that they all have slightly different flavors. Yeah. And so, yeah, it becomes more familiar the more Even you Even if you can't remember exact verses or all details, the details, you can remember some themes or maybe there's a couple of verses that really jumped out at you that kind of take your mind back there Yeah. next time you're reading another part. Yeah. So would this be a good thing to do perhaps if you were wanting to read Titus or any book for your own personal Bible reading? Perhaps you could sit down and just ask some of these basic questions first to yes. kind of orient yourself. Well, when I do a one-to-one with guys, this is the first question I ask. We pick a book of the Bible. And I say, oh, okay, well, what do you already know about Titus? And they say, nothing. Every single time. Like, the question's too big. It's like, I don't know anything. And you think, no, just like, just think about it. You must know some things. Like, mm-hmm. what, who wrote it? What is it? And they're like, well, I guess it's a letter. I guess I already know that Paul wrote it. You know, like, mm. and all of a sudden you're like, oh, actually. I know 17 things about Titus. Yeah, you can, you can triangulate a lot of information. Yeah. Um, and maybe you've never read it before, but even that is like a helpful, maybe you know nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, Titus, is that a, the name of a place, right? But that's still a helpful thing to know because of the hermeneutical spiral. <laughs> We're jumping from very basic to very technical. I love it. I love this. This is like a, bus. <laughs> this, I've this got is like a theology the on the couch yeah. where Claire said a word that actually Amy and I didn't ever never heard of and we kind of looked at her and went what are you talking about we weren't doing that sort of theology <laughs> probably doesn't help that tell us about the hermeneutical spiral Slightly Jack. Mispronounced and, it and what is before. that um well that's just a very fancy way of saying that your understanding grows incrementally on multiple readings of the thing so um okay. this was a book recommended to me in bible college by alan chapel it's a very fat book called the hermeneutical spiral Okay. And I got a copy of it, not new, just like found it secondhand. I'm like, yes, Hermeneutical Spiral, fantastic. <laughs> it's just such a good title. Yeah. Like it is so like compelling. I want to read that book. Yeah. I have to know what it is. It's a spiral. Do you know, this is like I'm having a revelation here now because you know when you think of, that you think of something all by yourself? Mm-hmm. So I've been telling people, if you're one of, we're one of my kids' leaders, we've been talking about this for ages, how there's a spiral of knowledge spiral this is what I've been calling That's it. That's basically the all basic word. Spiral is. That's yeah. what it means. Yeah. And we, we go through the same, we learn about the same things in the Bible again and again, but we get kind of bigger and deeper in our understanding. I, I kind of thought I'd made that up, but clearly well, you, some old dead guy. Well, you could have written a book about that and uh, sold it to theological students. Wow. And what did you find out from well, this copy? I haven't you read, read a word of it. To cover? Oh. oh. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like the five love languages. I'm the ghost. You just read the title. Actually. You work out the love languages. You don't have to read that book. Yeah. It's sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to the author of that book that it was your life's work, but future generations did not appreciate it. Won't read it. But the but we got the spiral. Gist. The, the spiral. The gist. Look, the title does all the heavy lifting. <laughs> okay, let's once keep you understand, going. it's a spiral. Okay. Anyway, so you, once you know a little bit about it, once you know yeah. some of the context and you know the themes, it's not that. Like you have to think through what you already know because then when you reread it, you test those that knowledge base mm-hmm. and you say to yourself the next time, oh, yeah, I thought it was going to talk 
about doing good. And now I've noticed that it's all through it. And, you know, you kind of add to that knowledge. Yeah. But other times you think, ah, oh, I really, I thought it was all about X. But now upon rereading it, I realize that's not quite right. Like, actually, he comes at it from a different angle and he's talking more about salvation than yeah. um, sanctification or something like that. And so you're always kind of refining your understanding, not just... Mm -hmm. This was our Jonah experience, just studying Jonah at Women's Bible Studies. Everyone's reaction at the end of Jonah was, I thought this whole, the book of Jonah was about a fish and a guy getting swallowed by a fish and that was the centre of the story. And then actually you realise that's a really small part of Mm. the book of Jonah Mm -hmm. and the book of Jonah is about actually God's salvation and God being gracious and merciful uh, to all the nations. Mm. It's got not much to do with the fish actually at all yeah actually Um, all those kids bibles just confused me (laughs) yeah 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 okay so titus so titus so what are some basic uh so you know if you were going to just pick it up what would you do answer those basic questions yep answer those basic questions covered where it is in the bible what are some other basic questions which we could get from a first reading if someone hasn't read titus for a while do you think they should pause now and quickly read through yes because it only takes six minutes Possibly less if you're a fast reader. Mm. Definitely less if you're reading inside your head as yeah. opposed to outside. Yeah. As in out loud. <laughs> out loud. Yeah. <laughs> if you're reading outside <laughs> your head, please see your doctor. Um, um, yeah. I definitely pause now and read Titus. Pause now. Okay. So after you've read through it once, which we all um, read through it just before we started, in case you're wondering, um, what are some sort of basic questions we want to tick off first? Who wrote it? No, his name was not Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was you too easy. A question or the question? Paul, a servant of, oh, so Paul, and then like I would also observe, how does he describe himself? Mm, okay. So here he describes himself. Take a deep breath, Jeff, and then read all of one to three. As That's a, servant a long of God description. God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith. You know, yes, it's a long description. But even that is like really helpful. Like what is the kind of preamble? Because the preamble isn't just like, you know, the way that, a preacher kind of like gets comfortable uh, up the front and tells a joke and, you know, yep. just gives Please chat amongst yourselves while I adjust my papers because yep. I'm feeling quite nervous. Again, as Alan Chappell says, like um, a golfer settling in at the tee or like a dog kind of finding a comfy spot in, the, <laughs> in his little dog bed. <laughs> he actually says that's what you shouldn't do when exactly. you're preaching. But, yeah. Straight into action if you're Straight a preacher. Straight into action. Okay. Uh, and then who to? Who's it to? To Titus. My true son in our common faith. Yeah. By verse 4, it gets to the two. Okay. So, Titus is possibly someone who was converted through Paul's ministry. Yeah, possibly. Are you thinking that because it says, my true son? Yeah. Although, I guess that doesn't have to mean that he was converted by Paul, does it? No. And it may well have to do with the fact that Titus is a fellow worker. And Ah, he's like a fellow worker with Paul in a way that like... Uh, a father and the son follows the father's job in the oh, carpenter like business, kind yeah. Of, yeah, or even the tent making business. <laughs> Maybe even the tent making. Yeah. Okay. In our common faith, I always find that striking because that there is a my true son. There's almost like the apprentice mode there, but there is very much it's their faith together. Our common faith. Mm. There's a uniting and yes. a sharing there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But what I would do, just thinking, kind of process wise, is mm. I would. If I was kind of thinking, oh, I'd like to study this in some depth, I would print it out, just go to Bible Gateway or whatever and hit print 
and then I can scribble on it at will and kind of like draw lines and underline yes. words yeah. and more satisfying, more satisfying, yeah. more. Kind this of is freeing. where I get out my colored pencils, and yeah. every time it says good works, I color in green. Every time mm. it says love, I color in pink. Every time it yeah. says you know something about the Holy Spirit, you color in yellow, and then you just kind of see which colors land you mm. know on the page. Yeah, so you get to see those key themes, the repeated ideas that just kind of jump out at you. Mm. This makes you notice things. Yeah. I hate it when I pick a really good colour and then... It's not used at yeah, all. Yeah, it just comes oh, up twice. Oh, because you think it's uh, about grace and then yeah. it turns out it was actually about something else. Yeah. Oh, that's Shouldn't annoying. pick that awful khaki colour. <laughs> <laughs> now it's everywhere on my page. <laughs> but I worst. think it also helps us see the letter as a letter. Because mm-hmm. so often when we're reading the Bible, not bad, but we just look at one chunk. We might just look at yes, 12 okay. verses yeah. and we kind of dig in and examine that, which mm-hmm. is good. But I think the f- when I open up a book, I want to see give the letter a chance to be seen as a whole. Yeah, because that's how it was written. That's he wasn't right. really reading it to Titus so that he got a letter, he opened it up and then he read five verses every day. And they said, for- come back <laughs> come back next week for come part back next two. week for more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you do next? Uh, well, then, I guess I would want to know the broad shape of it. So, what are the kind of topics that get addressed? And I think when we read our Bibles, there's headings kind of built in, and which aren't God's word. They're yes. like the addition of the author of the NIV or the ESV or the whatever the translation committee. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're unhelpful, but I think more often than not, they're helpful. Mm. Like it's it's a rare and unusual thing where the preacher stands up and says, "Now your heading says X, but you need to cross that out." Oh, preachers (laughs) love that. Yeah, they love when that comes up, getting your attention. Um, But also a title like "Final Remarks," like, well, that didn't add much to my knowledge, but thank you. Yeah, Yeah. just helps to break it up. Uh, But. In general, and I, like I would actually read it and try and think through: Are they the kind of sections and the the topics that are being covered, not just take their word for it? But I think, generally speaking, they're helpful yeah. um, to kind of see what's in there. Um, yeah. Is that basically like you know, they talk a little bit about Jeff about um, finding the movements of a yes. of a book? So yeah. basically, the movement is where it kind of. It's talking about one thing and then there might be a slight gear shift and it's talking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. So actually bracketing together those movements. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it because not every book of the Bible is so helpfully structured as to have uh, now concerning spiritual gifts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's right. It's self-titled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Point two A. <laughs> yeah, so in 1 Corinthians, Paul really kind of lays it out and yeah. there's section, section. Yeah. And he introduces the new topic. Now, the things that you wrote about. Um, but most of the time, it's kind of feels more like stream of consciousness. But yeah. when you look into it, you're like, oh, no, there are these movements. He kind of pivots from one thing to the next. And often he pivots through kind of really important theological um, points that he... Yeah, I wish my um, stream of my consciousness was that logical and well thought through. <laughs> there is one part, slight tangent, there's one part in the Bible, I can't remember where it is. It might be in... It's one of Paul's letters and he's, you know, he's talking about, oh, I did baptise, blah, blah, blah. I didn't baptise anyone. And then he keeps going oh, yeah. on and he goes, whoopsies, I did baptise X, Y, and Z. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that in 1 Corinthians? That's True. in 1 Corinthians. That makes me feel so much better because I'm like, yes, Paul, see, 
Uh, that's yeah. how I think. Jogged your memory. <laughs> Although, uh, topic for another day. There's, does that on purpose? Yeah, he does that on purpose. Oh. He's the kind of, there's some so scholarship I thought he was, around. thought he was just being spaghetti-brained like I am. <laughs> no, no, he wants you to remember that name. Oh, Stephanus okay. is important in 1 Corinthians. Okay. Anyway, back to oh, Titus. Sorry, right. Let's focus. <laughs> yeah, 1 Corinthians. Okay, so what time. would we notice? What would be our next steps with Titus? What are the things that you would notice? Would you like break it down into some sections or would, do you want to talk about like some themes that come up? Or Yeah, I would break it down into some sections. Okay. Um, so, for example, chapter 2, verse 1 mm-hmm. starts off, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. So, this is the kind of, you know, movements kind of thing yeah. because previously he's been talking about you know, rebellious people, those who um, are disrupting whole households that uh, Titus needs to silence. Um, And so to start the next little kind of movement to say you, however, um, you know, see how it pivots off the previous one, like taking into account this bad stuff that's going on and stuff you need to fix, but you have this different thing. And so he's moving on to talk. It's a gear shift. Yeah. Um, But you kind of need to have them connected in your head. Mm -hmm. So that would be a helpful thing to notice as you're reading through is like connections and mm. what are those words called? Joining words. Joining words, yeah. connecting words. Which I think you see. Conjunction words that yeah. tell yeah. you that there's a new topic coming or. Yeah, yeah all the kind of the therefores, which mm-hmm. shows us the reasoning. Because chapter two, almost, you could almost cut that in half and not quite half. Yes. I was, but yeah. Um, Chapter 2, I think, starts off with all these instructions. Sorry, we skipped over Chapter 1, not being very we'll logical here. Um, but it starts with all these instructions, so like imperatives for, mm. uh, you know, teaching older men, teaching women and teach and slaves, teach, teach, teach. And then you get to verse 11 and it's got that four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gives us the kind of the reason why 1 to 10 is why why you're mm. doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that, like, obviously, here's your foundation for why you're doing the first half of Chapter 2. Um, so looking out for the fours, the becauses, the therefores mm-hmm. are really helpful because sometimes it's giving you the foundation which he's about to talk about or it's what I've just told you, here's yeah. why you're doing it. Yeah. Here's why. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, just now as I glance over Titus, there's lots of those, isn't there, that you can pick up. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of buts. Buts are really important as well. Mm. I think there are a lot of contrasts in Titus. Mm, yeah. Just as I skimmed through before, there's that, you know, chapter one, there's that, you know, set in place good godly teachers and there's a contrast between ungodly teachers and false teachers. And then you've got a contrast all the way through of, you know, teach the women to be like this and not like this. And then you've got more contrasts about foolish controversies and, you know, People who say that they know God, but they deny by their actions, and there's, there's mm. contrasts all over That's the place. That's true. Even um, in the sections, oh, sorry, this might be getting a bit too far in, but um, such as the end of chapter two, where he talks about um, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness, mm. contrast with self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Yeah, like there's a contrast. Salvation brings a contrast into your life. Yeah, Sometimes. you're saying yeah, no and you're saying yes. Yeah, we say no and we say yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, which is also what the elders are taught to do. At the end of verse, uh, chapter 1, mm. in verse 9, these elders that are meant to, he's meant to establish, mm-hmm. they've got kind of three jobs to do mm. and one 
that's like an internal one. They're meant to hold firmly to the trustworthy message that they've been taught. And then their job within the church is to do two things, to encourage others by sound doctrine and to refute those who oppose it. Mm. So I don't know. I feel like that's... They're two contrasting duties. Two contrasting duties as well. Encourage and build up Mm -hmm. and also kind of the disciples, Mm. but then also shut down false doctrine. Mm. And even the way he sets up the duties of those elders is a contrast to the Cretan culture and everything that's around them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, these elders are meant to be, you know, not quick-tempered, not overbearing, but holding to the truth. Mm. Well, we know the context of the Cretan life and is that they're one of their own prophets in verse 12 says, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Mm. Like these, these uh, elders in the church are meant to live very um, different lives to those around them in the world. It'll be a huge contrast. Mm. Yeah, so that they can kind of lead people and teach people and encourage people into a godly life that contrasts with the life they had before yeah. and the life of those around them. Mm. You're in a bad way when your own <laughs> poetry is about how gluttonous you are. Yeah. Um, well, if I was reading through a book, you know, you come up with an observation like that, oh, a contrast. Like, I actually think even though it feels like you're going down the rabbit hole a bit, it can be quite fun and helpful to go through and say, oh, I just noticed this. It's funny how it's through the whole book. I'm mm. just going to mark all the sections where there are these contrasts. So it's obviously a device that he's using throughout the book to teach them about what a godly life is and yeah. isn't and how we get there as well. Mm, mm. Because the he really wants to Paul really wants to point out to Titus that it's the grace of God that mm. teaches them to say no to ungodliness and to move them towards uh, a godly life. Mm, and yeah. that's really crucial. Like that's that's a crucial point of teaching for us. But obviously it was for people in the first century, mm. like as churches are starting, everyone's like, well, if you want to live a godly life, we're going to have to get knuckled down and start, you know, um, having these rules around what we do and what we can eat and what we can't eat and um, have these human commands and um, blah, blah, blah. And what you just said <coughs> kind of is said in verse 1 of what Paul says. Like, what is he talking about? He's an apostle of Christ Jesus. Um, and uh, to the, what does it say? The knowledge of truth that leads to godliness. Mm. Actually, I think that right there from verse 1 is Even echoed. You skip over it when you read it at the start. Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is just the intro verses. Yeah. La, 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 la. Uh, but I think that's a summary of the yeah. whole book, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The knowledge of truth that leads to godliness. Mm. Because the the real that heart that we were talking about in chapter two versus kind of eleven to fourteen there mm. they're saying no to ungodliness and saying yes to living self controlled upright godly lives mm. that's a that's an expansion of the knowledge of truth yeah. that leads to godliness it isn't really it? is yeah I think that is the surprise for me to like to my heart's kind of sinful default position that if I'm being godly and everyone around me isn't then on my own I would be proud. And I would be looking yeah. down on other people. Mm. But the surprise in the book of Titus is that actually you were one of those people and the only reason you're not is because God saved you. Because yeah. the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation and at one time you too were like that, but God came and saved you. So yeah. like that's chapter three, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, for me the surprise yeah. as you're reading through is there's this contrast, but the way that you get from one to the other isn't through hard work it's not through anything that i've done it's everything that god's done yeah um, yeah 
There's the there's because one of those really important buts is in mm. that verse four of yeah. chapter three. You know, in verse three, you know, you were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. We lived in malice, envying, hating. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. One of my favorite verses, I reckon. Yeah, it's just I don't know. You need to hear that all the time, don't you? Again, especially any time you've somehow managed to do something good, <laughs> <laughs> or are clearly aware of not doing. Yeah, that's that right. Good or when you're well. not doing good things. Yeah, or when yeah, whenever you are feeling proud, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it, a, hit, it hits you in both. Yeah, it hits it you both. It picks yeah. you up and it brings you to a level. Yeah, yeah. The gospel, yeah, addresses your sin mm. either way. <laughs> but it is one of those great kind of gospel summary sections there in chapter 3. And, yeah, amazing that it's it's in the context of explaining how it is that Christians wind up doing good. Mm. That you have to understand this is the starting point, that yeah. you were once uh, foolish, disobedient and enslaved kind of you were like this, but actually it's, it's kind of the, the grace of God intervening. It's the, the coming of Jesus and the washing of the Spirit that is kind of brought about that transformation. And now you're changed, mm. not because of what you did, but uh, in mm. order to now live good, upright, godly lives. Mm. Yeah, because keep following those verses. You're changed by being you know washed by Jesus. Um, and it says in verse 8, is it verse 8? No, yeah. seven. So that. Verse seven. Thank you. So that. I was looking for the so that. Having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Mm. But then keep going down. Um, There's uh, another so that. So that. In verse yeah. Eight. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Mm. You don't do good to earn your salvation, but once you have your salvation, mm. you're trusted in God, your sa- salvation is secure, mm. then you're safe to do mm. good yeah because yeah. verse 7 so that having been justified that puts that right in the past so yeah. like having yeah. been justified that event where god declared you innocent of sin is done it's in the past and now you're in the present and you're looking forward to the day of judgment where you're declared righteous and you have eternal life with god and we're kind of living in between that so as we're looking forward to that day we can live good lives confidently without really knowing that we don't need to contribute anything to our justification or to our hope of eternal life because it's already there. That's yeah. basically, that verse basically just summarises Romans, what, five? I reckon. I don't know because I've five just been one. reading yeah. that with the Laura. The of God, therefore. <laughs> no, no, like the whole chapter five, five about five justification. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought you were going to say five to eight. Oh, five all to the chapters. Eight? Don't you reckon? I don't know. Yeah. Laura, shout out Laura, and I've been working through Romans. Should definitely do that if you haven't done it recently. Anyway, that just struck me. Yeah, but if you don't have time to read that, just read. Just read Titus. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. This is obviously just the synopsis of Romans. Um, but also I noticed... It's like they have the same author or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's always banging on about the same stuff. Um, it's interesting, just like side note observation, I think I'd like jot this down on my things to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, so chapter 3 verses 4 to 6 is one of those places in the Bible where we see um, the three persons of the Trinity all working together yeah. in our salvation, that yeah. the kindness of God, the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared and he saved us because of his mercy. So, like, God's grace, renewal by the Holy Spirit, like, making us, changing us. Yeah, and, um, and poured out through Jesus Christ, 
our um, saviour. Our saviour in his death mm. and resurrection. Mm. So it's one of those interesting places. I mean, obviously, God in his three persons is always at work in our salvation, but it's one of those places in the Bible where they they're all, all named. Yeah, like their mm. roles yeah. are all named mm. in that process, which is significant. Yeah, I think so. I think mm. it's helpful when you're trying to nut it out. <clears throat> yeah. Actually, it's helpful to find a passage where it goes, oh, look, we've actually mentioned them all. Yeah. doesn't mean they're not working when they're not mentioned. But yeah, this yeah. is one time where yeah. it's explained really clearly. Mm. Yeah. It would be kind of forced if it was had to mention Always. all three <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're like, I don't know, at a family event and you're like saying thanks to mum for doing all this stuff. Like, oh, and dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Dad, thanks for everything you did. <laughs> Obviously, they're always both working for you, maybe. Exactly. Hopefully. Usually when you say thanks to Mum, you mean Mum and Dad, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I guess it shows that I'm from a very blessed position where I can say that about my parents. So, yeah, yeah that's not true for everyone, I suppose. Um, I want to dial back around. Um, yeah. Sorry, we've just been going down little rabbit holes. Yeah, no, that's good. But I think this is the process, though. Yes. no. But Sometimes there's no special process. It's just like, oh, look. Yes. The discovery yeah. Sorry, are you trying to say something? I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we missed a step in the process. Uh-oh. In that, like one good question to ask kind of right at the start oh, okay. is like, why is this being written? Ooh. And if only there was a verse that said <gasps> the reason why. If only. Yeah, but there it is in verse five. Do, do, do. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul left before he'd finished his job. Exactly. Well, he had a good right-hand man. Goodness. Well, they tied us there. He's probably better at it. But yeah. maybe that actually links with, you know, my true son in our common faith. Mm-hmm. It's just not, not only a common faith, but a common mission. Yeah, and that's true. So he left before it was established, but mm. it's not just Paul's job. Paul, mm. we, we yeah. often kind of see Paul as this lone ranger, mm. but very rarely is he actually yeah, ever alone. He's always got people coming to him, going from yeah. his, yeah. I guess that's why he's writing letters as well. It's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And interestingly, just to jump on your thing, Jeff, here, he's leaving Titus this particular commission to left out what was left unfinished in Crete. Mm. But then at the end of the book, uh, in 3 verse 12, he's like, now he's obviously doing, you know, off to some other place. But as soon as I send Artemis and Tychius to you, do your best to come to me and Nicopolis. So Titus is doing a job in Crete. But then Titus is going to come back and join Paul. But they're still not going to leave the Cretan church like without people to mm. help it grow mm. as a part of that, you know, supporting and discipleship there. Yeah. He's sending others there. Mm. I feel like they're, they're getting just... a series of specialists. Yeah. <laughs> Paul went and evangelized. He left Titus to set up the church like structures and he's the eldership. He's your kind of executive pastor. Yeah, he's your executive. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, but now you're getting your discipleship makers, maybe? Do you think that yeah. Artemis and Tears yeah, are yeah. the discipleship makers? Yeah, yeah now they've sorted it all out, they can just run with it. Yeah, so maybe Titus is quite a strategic kind of guy. <clears throat> mm. But he's he's not, he's given that specific job in verse 5, mm. which I think is good to identify. Yep. And then he is given a specific commission, which you pointed out before, Jeff, in the beginning of chapter 2. Uh, mm-hmm. You must teach what is accord with sound doctrine. Mm. Like the, actually, this is your job to straighten out what was left finished, and this is what you need to hold on to, Titus. Uh, hold on to teaching what is accord with sound doctrine. Mm. So I think finding that purpose, like why is this being written, like what's going on here, actually gives you the kind of like framework to hang everything off. So as soon as you see that, okay, the situation in 
Crete is it's this island. It's been evangelized. The church has kind of begun, but it's kind of not yet set up uh, kind of soundly. And so you need to, to get to straighten things out, uh, to put in order um, the church. He'll need to deal with these false teachers. He'll need to appoint godly elders. Um, he'll need to teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. Um, you know, suddenly you see all these instructions. Mm. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in two nine three one. Remind the people to be subject to rulers. Um, avoid mm. foolish controversies. Suddenly, actually, there's a mm. lot of instructions. So your next here reading, from our kind yeah. of boss, you know, yeah. the experienced guy Paul, who's the apostle, giving instructions um, to Titus, his man on the ground, to set things up really well in Crete. Mm. And suddenly, you've got the framework for understanding that the kind of point of the whole thing. Yeah. So you could then you're kind of reading it through the next time with another colour. You're like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of instructions here. I'm going to go through and highlight all the instruction words. Mm. So maybe you've read it through and highlighted all your connection words and now you've noticed some contrasting things that we notice. So you do that and then you start noticing some gospel things. So you go through and look at that. Now you've noticed instructions, so now you're onto your like orange highlighter because orange is never first, and so now you've got <laughs> orange. Like, oh nuts, this was really important. So I only got orange, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting though, because we got stuck into the gospel stuff first, because there's a lot of instructions, but it really all flows out of that gospel teaching mm. that he's leaving them with. So we kind of got it in the right order. Yeah, and that that gospel stuff is. Crucial. That's like, the bedrock. There's yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And also, it shows that you don't. Doesn't actually matter which order you discover things in. Mm. Like in the art of discovery, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. But that's it's important though, because sometimes when you're approaching something for the first time, or you're feeling a bit unfamiliar, you're worried that you might go in the wrong order, and that can yeah. happen sometimes. But kind of just asking questions, noticing stuff—that's the game, really, isn't mm. it? It's a spiral. You kind of circle back on. Yeah itself and hermeneutical spiral do you think we should wrap up it's been a long one yeah (laughs) so i'm so excited about you were finishing we're actually helping ez prepare to write her talk you are so can i say one other thing that (laughs) now this is last question if you were going to do three talks on titus what would the topics be and what would the application be yes jeff's favorite (laughs) question um but one other thing that struck me that i was holding on to to say it i it's uh, the word saviour comes up a lot. Mm, it's okay. God our saviour. Mm. Every time Jesus is mentioned, it says Jesus our saviour. Okay, yeah. Jesus is not mentioned Ooh. without the oh. our saviour afterward. And God is mentioned twice or three times with God our saviour. Mm. I don't know what to do with that and we don't mm. have time to explore it, which is yeah. a real shame. But there's just, just put something a that's, question mark there. Yeah, something that struck me hmm. when I was talking about this with um, actually somebody yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, let's read Titus. Hmm. Yeah. But so, our saviour isn't just Jesus' title. It's gotta be, there's got to be something deeper there. It's got to be something more. Like I'm just trying to think, why does he keep saying Jesus Christ our saviour? Hmm. It's got to be something about, you know, what we're being saved from. We're, we're being saved from um, but we're also being saved for. And here um, – as I was talking about this with Claire yesterday, we are talking about how often we think that we're saved from God's wrath sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like in other parts of the Bible, it talks about we're saved from God's wrath. But here it doesn't actually talk about God's wrath. It just talks about a, like kind of a futile life mm. and an unpleasant life mm. that we're saved from. Although it is implicit know. in justification. 
Because the opposite of justification is condemnation of God's wrath. Yeah, I, I don't think that God's wrath is it's absent. It's not there, here. yeah, but it's not explicit, yeah. Mm. But it's it's just an it's an almost an additive. Yeah, we're yeah. saved from God's wrath, yeah, but also saved from a futile life. Yeah, yeah. Without I guess because that's the context well. they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So if we were gonna, um, if that was all the time you had to do your overview of Titus, what would you be le- like? What are we left with? Like, what would you jot down as your little summary? I think I would want to spend time meditating on the grace of God and how that uh, brings transformation in my life. Like, is grace really the engine for transforming the way that I live? Mm-hmm. Um, if not, I need to kind of go back to that and kind of dwell on it longer. That, and I think you don't want to lose sight of that kind of macro purpose of like, what does a church need mm. if it's wonky shaky like what do we need as a church to make sure that we're in good order um and kind of pay attention to these instructions what do we need we need to silence disruptive people who are to you know false teachers we need godly elders we need sound teaching it's like boring stuff but it's what you're talking about the transformation of grace like you need elders who have been transformed by that grace. Mm, yeah. And who are holding yeah. to the sound doctrine. Yeah. Mm. From the inside of their heart and mind through to how they're living their lives. That's a good point. That's really yeah. an excellent yeah. connection yeah. between the two kind of themes, the grace theme and mm. the kind of church yeah. governance theme. That's the connecting yeah. point. Yeah, because that's the key, isn't it? And it's not just the elders, it's everyone, because then he moves on to like older people, younger people. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and okay. those are the reasons that it's given, you know, do this, they're very like imperative instructions were given that it's do this so that no one will malign the word of God in verse 5 in chapter 2 and also so that those who have nothing will have nothing bad to say about us in verse 8 and then to the slaves so that you'll make the teaching of God our saviour attractive Mm. actually the way you live your life reflects the God that you follow Mm. and the grace that has changed you and also drives your mission yeah Mm. Interesting. Okay, we're going to have to leave it on that yeah. episode because Ez is deep in the weeds on Titus. So, yeah. like, this so week we can keep going all And we're busting out our longest more, ever then pod. Then you'll have to go to the Geraldton um, Women's Convention <laughs> next month. Sorry, guys. <laughs> can I just say that in, in um, not specifically about Titus, but if, if I was doing an overview of any book, at about this point in my kind of wrapping up session, I would probably ask two more questions. I'd uh. ask... I'd write down what are my questions. Oh, more. Uh. No, I'd write down. We just did the summary. Who's in charge of this podcast? Me. I did the introduction. Okay, I will I allow that was you. Was an open question. Questions. Jeff just went first. I was trying to wrap up. I was, Everyone, if anyone here is running I'm out of listening my... energy, I tried to stop. But this is Ez. She's keeping going. Two more questions, Ez. I was finishing with process. Um, I would write down my questions that I had about the book because oh, yeah. you don't have to answer all your questions at yeah, once. That's a good point. So I'd write down my questions and then. You've just done the overview, so hopefully you continue to look at Titus. And then as you look at Titus chunk by chunk, then those questions will come up and hopefully mm. they'll get answered. You might find answers. Yeah, okay, that's, that's right. good. Okay, and then noting. I would just ask, what's the big thing I learned about God? Which is probably what Jeff kind of pulled out his grace thing with. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in my overview section, I wouldn't try and answer all those questions. Yeah. And I wouldn't but try to understand everything. Like you're going to come up with questions you can't answer straight away. Don't yeah. be scared of them. Just write them down exactly. and you might actually be able to answer them yourself exactly. as you keep going. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Do we have a home hack today? I've got a really quick one if no one's got yeah, one. Go for it, Leanna. What's okay. your home hack? Previously, I talked about my home hack of 
you don't win friends with salad, so you should learn how to make cakes. And I recommended <laughs> just getting maybe one chocolate cake yeah. under your belt. Now, at some point, all your friends might say to you, hey, um, we've seen this chocolate cake a few times. <laughs> You've even done it in different shapes. <laughs> Do you have anything else for us? And that's where my hack is sprinkles. Oh, wow. Just pull out different sprinkles. Transformation. You've got a chocolate cake with chocolate icing, put on some beautiful, elegant silver cashews, the little silver balls, they're not nuts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, Now you've got a lovely, sophisticated birthday cake. Wow. Uh, You want something fun, then buy a packet of, you know, flamingo sprinkles from Woolworths, that's a new thing, (laughs) or unicorn sprinkles. Or maybe you want something Christmassy, just chuck some Christmas sprinkles on top of that bad boy and now you've so got a Christmas same cake, cake. dressed up differently. Same cake dressed up. Now your friends might notice after a while, but you've bought yourself <laughs> at least three or four more runs with the, <laughs> with exactly the chocolate cake. The same chocolate cake that you've been doing I all like that home hack. Mm. Okay, first, I and think also we all know sprinkles which are like transformed from when we're kids. Oh, it's not just hundreds and thousands hundreds anymore, Hundreds and thousands people. and dead ants. They're the only two <laughs> that I grew up with. What are dead ants? The little oh. chocolate. Oh, chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we know what verse we need to do, don't we? Do it. Do you want to read it? Titus 3 verse 4. Oh, okay. I was thinking we know, do we? <laughs> it's like there's been a um, – Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Amen. Amen. Goodbye for now.